Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kamir Moravian, sitting next to my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Google Podcasts. Pretty much where you can get a podcast. I mean, like, how many how many apps do you have that can play a podcast on your phone? Me? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like one. I think the Apple one. Other people have a lot, though. I think yeah. that's the point you're trying to make here. Yeah, I, I've got like two. Oh, okay. Nice. I mean... Oh, no, I've got two. I've got Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. So two. And then there's oh. uh, SoundCloud, maybe... There's well, a lot we're of not on SoundCloud. We're not, we're not on SoundCloud. So disregard that one. But, I mean, like, I know I have three that can play podcasts and two of them of which, of course, that you can find our podcast on. So You can find us pretty much anywhere but SoundCloud. Yeah, that's, that's pretty... what we're trying to say. That is it. And, like, I mean, it is the new year. So, I guess, a happy new year. What is happy it, like, new the, year. What is it, what? The second? Yeah? Yeah, 2020. And then... Um, I've been hungover all year. Yep, all year. So, with the new year, we should... We should you guys should be nice and give us more podcast reviews. Do it. We just got a new another one. Did so, we? Yeah, it's fantastic. I didn't see it. From who? I don't know. Hmm. But not Tom Herman this time? Not Tom Herman this time. But uh, how's your week been going? Pretty good, man. Like, I want to say that I really, 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 really love New Year's Day. And it might be my favorite holiday now that I'm older. Because it's a day of no obligations whatsoever. What do you mean? New Year's Day, you're not doing anything. It's just an entire day dedicating to licking your wounds. I guess. Pretty much. I mean, Halloween, you have to get dressed up. Christmas, you have to go somewhere. Thanksgiving, you have to go somewhere. Fourth of July, you have to go somewhere. New Year's Day, you have no obligations whatsoever, and you just get to sit on the couch. It's pretty sweet. And there's bowl games on. There's bowl games on. And then some people choose to eat the black-eyed peas. I had some black-eyed peas. My girlfriend made them into a layer dip. It was actually kind of good. So I've I've never done the black eyed pea thing. What is what is that about? Hey, apparently they're for good luck. They're they're pretty much just beans. Yeah, pretty much. They're a legume. Not even peas. They're not even really peas. No, they're not bad. Which is better, black eyed peas or the band the black eyed peas? Black eyed peas. Hmm, that's that's a, that's a take. Is it because the black eyed peas kind of suck? So they're not that bad. They're pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> They're okay, I guess. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what was rough. Sitting through that uh, 
Peach Bowl the other night. At what point did you stop sitting through it? I I watched it the entire time. You did? Yeah. I did not. And then because I was over at family's house, you know. Okay, so there was no escape. And you know, and eventually it just devolved into some like into arguments, and then just some somebody the neighbor came over for good luck. Apparently, that's what they do at my father's house. I don't know, bro. And then they started talking about like being an atheist and or being religious and i was like i don't want to have this conversation <laughs> i don't want to have this conversation right now and then yeah it was weird i uh, guess a blowout like that leads people into existential thought yeah for real and so it, it was really weird and um yeah it, it was i decided to watch the game and it's it was, it's a mess man it was a mess i i didn't watch the second half period we left the room and played drinking games. We did not watch the second half. We did a bunch of toasts to Spencer Rattler <laughs> and had a good time not paying attention to the football game and just thinking about the future. Yeah, I was uh, I was on Twitter, and it was the next day, and one of my followers, and I believe she follows uh, you as well, her name, her at is, my name is Kaylee. Oh, yeah pretty good follower actually yeah she's uh she's known for interacting with kevin durant on twitter yeah if with you recall the, correctly with the farts in the, the face, fart really. face thing yeah she's that girl it's fantastic but she's uh she's also pretty good pretty awesome dog very good follow but uh she said hey i believe she said did anything happen in the second half and i just said in the most sincere way nothing happened in the second half Really? Pretty much all it was was Spencer Rattler coming in for like one series of downs and looking yeah. pretty good despite going one for three because those two uh, incompletions were drops. He looked pretty accurate. He looked pretty good moving around too. He threw one ball high. He took off for a run up the middle. But I mean like it's just Oklahoma had so many bad breaks going this way. Even it, before the game? Of course, yeah. It, none of it truly mattered in the grand scheme of things because they were going to get worked regardless from what it looks like. But Yeah, because like you, you have the suspensions in which the most important suspension is Ronnie Perkins, and then you have DTY going out, and then, of course, the guy that, that we, they picked on all literally all game was his replacement and uh -huh. Justin Broyles, who... And then Woody Washington having to come in for Buki, who then got picked on, so, I mean... But that and that's exact, but that's the thing that you just mentioned, is that people are going to act like, oh, man, well, if Buki wouldn't have got ejected, or if that pass interference, if they didn't call that, if they would have called that pass interference nope. call on Jason, Jaden Hazelwood, it would have changed the game. Like, well, I mean... I mean, maybe to a small degree, small but maybe degree. it would have delayed the inevitable... But it, the fact of the matter is that just LSU was a much better team than Oklahoma was. They, they Oklahoma's defense has improved a lot, but they were not good enough yeah. to stop that offense. Just straight up, they, even with the guys they were missing, they put like the breaks in their offense for the most part, and still could have scored like seventy. And like they, 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 they chilled it out. And people, people in the second half, they're like. Why is LSU still throwing the ball like like mercy rule? Like why is LSU still throwing the ball? And they are an air raid team. Yeah. Like people don't people people just like assume LSU oh it's gonna throw the ball with Joe Girl. We know the they, their backup came in and started throwing the ball. Like why is he still why are they still throwing the ball? Who Be cares? Because they're they're <laughs> an, they're an air raid team, and like this is what like Texas Tech they're an air raid team. 
and it's the same thing with LSU. This is what Texas Tech would have looked like if they had elite players all over the field. Because, I mean, that's an air raid team. It's a wide-open offense with dynamic athletes everywhere. And Jamar Chase, the Bolitnikoff winner, didn't have a good, a very big game at all. He had, like, one catch, two catches. Nothing substantial. Uh, Parnell Montley had a really great year this year, to be quite frank. And really didn't play badly in this game. Either, no, he honestly. didn't. He was not the weak spot whatsoever. He's He should be commended for everything he did this year. But every, and he helped himself uh, monetarily. Yeah. He might be selected this spring so every helps. time i saw justin Burrows on jefferson i was like well this is not gonna end well it's not well at all because nope. it, was a, it was a touchdown every time just at one point justin jefferson had more touchdown catches and jalen hurts had completions not good not very good and the thing i hate about these sort of bowl games in general is like or just the games in general people that are probably under the influence of certain substances. I mean, this is Oklahoma. People get their cards, so it could be either THC and or alcohol. I don't care, and I don't judge. But people are going to tweet at players after weed a loss. Weed doesn't make people tweet at players. Don't blame weed. It's true. You'd probably be more relaxed and just take a nap. People sucking but is what makes you tweet at players, not weed. Ang- yeah, weed doesn't really make you angry. So it's, I guess it must be alcohol or just angry or people. just being a dumbass. It, maybe well, it has nothing to do with why, something. Why, why tweet at players? What, what, what do I don't you know. gain just, from that? I don't know. It's just their way of venting, I guess. They're losers. Like, why? It, 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 it's unreal to me. And so, like, you, because I said, hey, you know, like, what, what, what do we do? How do, you, how, do you, how do you cope with the loss? And then you tweeted at me during the game, like, the article that you had written that says how to cope with the loss. So how do you... How, what are some stages or what are some mechanisms, coping mechanisms people can use after a loss like this? Because when I say like people became unraveled for days and that are still like incredibly pissed off or are still incredibly unraveled, um, what, are, what are some things that they can use? Well, one of them that I listed was complaining. I feel like that helps a little bit, but it's only a temporary solution. Then you have food. Eating your sorrow away is a uh, common one. It's not necessarily a healthy one, but leftover tailgate food and leftover uh, watch party food, very clutch. It's always good. Then you have booze and other substances. This is a good one, but it can you got to be careful. If you hit the whiskey too hard, you get all angry, you get all red-nosed, you get confrontational, stuff happens. Got to be careful. Then you have sleep. Sleep is the best one. That's what I do. Just sleep it off. I sleep it off. Take melatonin. Just sleep. Sleep for like three days. There you go. Sleep until the work week. Yep. That's probably good. That's the best one. I I, I end up sleeping. I I just... At some point... Because I used to get really, really upset. And I used to freak out. And I used to like... Just be really... I don't know. I just... Used to panic and be like well, what's this mean for the future and yada yada and um i used to be just really upset about it and i don't think i ever tweeted at players good but i do remember after a texas lost one year matt diamond who apparently followed me so this is matt diamond so this is like four or five years ago apparently he followed me and he tweeted at me and was like, 
man, you got a big internet mouth. And I was like... <laughs> I wouldn't want to fuck with Matt Diamond. Yeah, no. That dude is country strong and seems like he would fuck someone up. From Katy, Texas. Uh, Katy's not very country. No, Katy's kind of... It's very suburban. A little bougie, actually. Yep. But he, he, he does not, he's not like the typical Katy person. No. But he was he's like, a hard ass. He's like, man, you got a big internet mouth. And I was like, I feel really uncomfortable right now. Like, <laughs> why would you say that phrase to me? Big internet mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was just a... Uh, I'm going to use that. It was a poor... It, it, I don't know. This It was after a Texas loss. For, I think Charlie Strong was still there. And everybody on the internet was like spewing their venom everywhere. That sounds like the 2015 game to me. Uh, I believe so. 2015, 20, 2014 or 15, one of the two. I think it's 2015. 15's the one we lost that Baker Mayfield played in and he never had time to throw. Yeah, sounds about right. And then later on that year, Matt Diamond would get ejected from the Baylor game from for kicking a player on a field goal attempt. Oh, yeah. But yeah, and then... Was I it just, that? No, that wasnn't the same year. That was, was a different year. Oh, you won that game. Yeah. He was kicked out of that game? Uh-huh. Was he? He was. Okay, all right. He was in the rain. In okay, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah. It's been a minute. Yeah, it has. It has. It's been five years since that, since 2015. Five years removed from... Four Baker's, and a half. But yeah, yeah, I guess four and a half. And then I just came to this realization, like, I don't know what it was, like, looking at my dog or whatever, and I was like, you know, my furry dog has no concept of uh, other adult men playing with a ball that it would affect his emotions. Like, he doesn't look at other dogs and is, like, playing a game from afar and is really pissed off and lets this game affect their lives, their mental, their mental like, state for days at a time. They might, like, bark in the meantime that they want to play or something, within like 30 minutes but they're not gonna like let this ruin their world for a, a year true that they do get scared when their owners yell at the tv though it's true i will say that and so i was i just like i had to take a step back i was like you know what at the end of the day i'm not the one that practices all week and like it's not like those players that they came out and they, they just happen to lose the game it's not they were like, oh, lost another one. Haha, <laughs> that sucks. No, because they care. And so it's just it's just unreal to me. So how I cope with the, these things is just like coming to like this weird like existential idea as far as like this is outside of my control. I'm a fan. It's a game. And I'm just going to keep on enjoying the game. That's, see, that's where I've moved to at this stage in my life. I feel like last year's game against Alabama I felt that way and once it was done I was just like eh, whatever I'm gonna go about my night I'm fine maybe, <laughs> maybe we're just like that happened this time too maybe we're just becoming mature adults maybe it's pretty wild well, it doesn't happen for everyone though I some do. people just continue <laughs> being absurd that's true that's true because there are there are several people in the Facebook group that they are I can say with full comfort way more mature in age as far as we are but are still melting down on the boards still being very very pessimistic which let is them, unreal let them do their thing see that's their way of coping i guess let them do it i guess just let them blow off steam on the internet 
But as long as they're not tweeting at players. Something that's important to acknowledge when we talk about winning a national title is this blue chip ratio. Because people always want to say, oh, stars don't matter. Stars do matter. And that's like that's like the new mode. It's a matter of probability. <clears throat> Are is. all of them gonna pan out? No, but at this point, you have to understand that the probability of a five-star panning out is more than that of a four-star, and four-star more than a three-star. Yeah. And people are like, oh, well, there are all these three-stars in the NFL. There are about a 1,000 three-stars per year per the recruiting service. There are about 25 five-stars per year. So it's about probability. And then I think there's a stat that Under Armour and the All-American Bowl and all these, all the, all these other All-American Bowls put out that they say, hey, Guys that played in this game, in this All-American high school football bowl, whatever, are in the NFL right now, and it's a lot of the rosters. So you can't tell me that they don't matter. If these guys are playing in the Under Armour All-American Bowl as they did today, and many of them are going to end up playing on Sundays, I mean, it, there's a direct correlation there. Whereas guys like, you know, Sammy, Sammy B, Sam Bradford, he's a three-star kid from PC North. Um, and he was overlooked. Um... And he ended up being a Heisman Trophy winner. Baker it Mayfield. It does happen a lot. Baker Mayfield. But it's Heisman. about probability. But also Kyla Murray. Five stars. Five star kid. He played in the Under, Under Armour All American Bowl. Um, Joe Mixon, five star. Played in the Under Armour. No, he played in the Army one. When yeah, he it was did. Still... Committed to OU in the Army one, too. And so, I mean, you got <laughs> Adrian Peterson, you know? So you can't say stars don't matter. And it's important to mention. What blue chip status is. So blue, there's the blue chip ratio, which is basically if a blue chip is about a four star kid. Four star or five star. Yeah. And typically the results have shown you will not, your team anyways, will not win or most likely not win a national title or be in the conversation unless half your team, 50% or more, is blue star blue star blue chippers four or five star kids and so i did some digging because i knew oklahoma they are most they very recently got into the blue chip ratio as far as having at least half the team being four or five star kids and then i did some more digging look at other prominent programs and i found some interesting things and because the blue the blue chip ratio it explains a lot of the story as far as how good your team is but it doesn't tell all of the story. Correct. So, for example, Oklahoma in 2015, 38% of the roster were blue chippers. 38%, about a third. And that's the year that Lincoln Riley arrived. That's the year Lincoln Riley arrived. That's the college football playoff, Baker Mayfield. 2016, it even dipped. 36% of the roster was blue chippers. Then you go to 2017, Lincoln Riley's. First year as head coach. First year as head coach, 45%. 2018, 53%. Then 2019, 60%. So Oklahoma, within the last two years, just got into the ratio of 50% or better. And a lot of these kids are redshirt freshmen. And a lot because a lot of these new blue blue chipper kids are redshirt freshmen or they're just freshmen in general. So you're kind of a bit off. So 38, 36, 45%. Oklahoma made the college football playoff two out of those three years when they were below 50%. Because something that can drag your team to greatness is 
excellent to elite quarterback play, which Oklahoma had from 2015 to 2018. Uh, 2019 is an interesting season. We're going to look back upon when we say that was a weird year as far as the offense is concerned. But you look at Alabama, <laughs> 2015 to 2019, it's all 77%, except a couple years where 80% of their team were blue chippers. Ohio State, the first year, 2015, was 68%, which is about double what Oklahoma started out with. And then they're in the 70s in 2019, 81%. You have LSU, which has stayed consistent in the 60s. But now they finally have a good offense and a good offensive system that allows them to tap into that yeah. talent. 100%. Like Joe Burrow's at 78% completion percentage. Yeah. It's unreal. People were trying to say that he was a system guy. No, he's very good and happens to play in a very good system now. So that potential is unlocked now. Yeah. He's very good. USC is an interesting... And you, Texas is on par with USC here. These guys are about 70% blue chipper status. That's the thing. You have to put that talent in a position to win. Yeah, and Texas is in the same place but as USC. But then you have people trying to argue, oh, well, look at Texas. So clearly stars don't matter. That's not what that means. It means that stars do matter, but you have to put them in a position to succeed, and you have to develop them well. Yeah, it's true. You have to do both. So like, it's amazing because people look at OU, and their blue chipper status is still below USC's. USC's worst year here at 60 Well, that's about to change after this cycle because right. USC's yeah. class has zero blue chippers in it right now. And so it's just like people look at him like, well, USC has more, but he's been winning, oh, he's been winning more games. Like, well, yeah, because... That's the Lincoln-Riley effect. The, he's much better than Clay Helton. The stars and the blue chip status and blue chip ratio doesn't tell all the story, but it does tell a lot of the story. And then Clemson is a very intriguing program when it comes to this. Because they were kind of on par with OU, except they're just a year ahead of OU, really, in every year. Where OU had 38%, Clemson had 47%. Where OU had 36%, the next year, I think, I was thinking that was the next year, Clemson won. Yeah, they had 52% that year. 2%, and then Clemson's literally just been one step ahead of OU until 2019, where they were both at 60% of their team being blue chippers. And so... When I say Oklahoma is so close to being, like, big, big, I mean they're close. Because, like, this was the year that, like, they didn't like to re- call it a rebuilding year. Call it what it is. It's a rebuilding year. It's a retooling year. It's a f- year of figuring out the what you're going to be. at the quarterback position. 100%. And, I mean, Oklahoma's just now getting their team talent to where it needs to be to compete on a yearly basis Having like Alabama. Having enough quality depth like yes. those other programs have. Like Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson is getting there. And a couple other teams that left off. Oregon is just fell off. Oregon's like, they don't have much of that because they're not like a prime destination for... for the last few years they've been recruiting very well, though. Yeah, they've been... They've so right. they're getting back into that conversation gradually, kind of like OU has the past few years, but they're still just a little behind. I wonder what's going to happen to that program once Phil Knight like passes away and they don't get that Nike influence as much. I'm sure it'll still linger, I would imagine. I mean, he'll probably leave it in his will that Nike needs to support that program in some form or fashion, but... And by no means am I like... Like pining for Phil Knight's death. That's a really weird thing. That is, yeah, that's very dark. But I'm thinking Don't like he was he was the man that really like 
Remember in like 2008, 2009, 2005, they had all those uniforms. Yeah, that started like in the early 2000s, yeah. like 02, 03, something like that. Just, the, it was just after Joey Harrington left, I remember. That's right. With all the Phil Knight stuff and then all the recruits started, like they had like 19 different uniform combinations every year. People were like, oh, what's the Oregon They became a now? cool program. Because the uniforms, which was never the case, in their facilities, that. because the Nike money that Phil Knight just keeps on pumping into that program. Um, but man, yeah. So the blue blue chip ratio, Oklahoma's just now getting to the point where they have talent everywhere, not just that quarterback, receiver, and offensive line. It, and it's going to be different. And I wouldn't say next year is the year that Oklahoma really gets over the hump as far as getting into the national title, but I would say the window's open for that for that year. I'd say so. I'd say it's a possibility next year with Oklahoma getting back to sort of what they truly like to do offensively. I think that'll help a little bit, and I think the defense overall will be better next year. Yeah. In spite of losing Kenneth Murray, its best player, and losing Neville Gallimore, you're still bringing back a ton of experience. So I would say this team will definitely be better next year, and in 2021 it'll be even better than that. So be hopeful for the future. Yeah, and and to preface the podcast – I put out, you know, a tweet that said, you know, I have some pretty good news for next year. If what I'm hearing is correct, OU's going to be pretty pretty freaking, like, ridiculous. And um, I, I gained so many followers, and people are, are tweeting at me when the podcast is going to come out. So, I mean, I guess you're listening now. Uh, but, yeah, there's just a lot of good news coming out uh, that I've been hearing and that I've been told about next year. And so, let's see the first domino. It's Kennedy Brooks is coming back. That people was, already knew that one, yeah. And that, that was the one that I was like, okay, that's... Because people were unsure about Kennedy Brooks and his status at OU. Is he going to come back? People didn't know. And so, the fact that he did come back or is coming back, that's, that's great news for OU. Now, I have feelings and I have, I have reservations about the running backs and the running back room at Oklahoma. They don't have a dynamic athlete. They don't have a dynamic game breaker at that position. They don't have a Joe Mixon. They don't have, they have good, very good backs. But like you said, they don't have a Joe Mixon. They don't have a dynamic playmaker to really change the, change and alter the game. Um, and I believe that that's, a, that's what they're missing from that position. Uh, even a Rodney Anderson would be just fine for that. Do you think Seth McGowan could potentially fill that void a little bit with him coming in the spring? Maybe that could help. Maybe. Do you think he'll be ready? I don't know. I, He's I, pretty good. I know they love, they absolutely love Marcus Major. He's outstanding. And, and he got some Joe Mixon comparisons out of high school despite really being kind of green, not yeah. really having much experience at the running back position. They like him a lot. And him getting hurt... In the during the season that really hindered some ability, uh, but the next thing that he is, will be back for the spring though, luckily he will he will. The next thing that I think is quite interesting is the fact that Trey Sermon, I'm kind of, and this is something that is not of course 100 percent official, but hearing that Trey Sermon also himself may be coming back to the University of Oklahoma. After his injury, I thought he would for sure come back, and then we heard rumblings that he probably wouldn't, but now I guess it's trending in the other direction to him sticking around. Which is great. Yeah. It's fantastic, because, like, 
Kennedy Brooks is, is, how do you even explain the way he runs? How do you explain his running style? Extremely patient, great vision, and great instincts. Not necessarily a ton of physical prowess, I suppose, if but he's just very natural. If you're watching him on TV, he looks like like a big Mack truck as far as the idea that he has one setting on his speed, and that's all he does. He just coasts. Whereas like he always looks like he's pushing the cover the ball button on Madden. Too, yes, that's whenever true. he's running in the open field. It's kind of funny, but it's effective. But like seeing him live, you see he's actually pretty quick. He's got some speed, but he's still like he, not. I think insanely. his stride is a little bit yeah. deceiving. He's faster than he looks. He's got a long stride. Very long stride. He looks like he's moving very slowly though. But Trey Sermon is more is more of a dynamic athlete than Kenny Brooks is. He's more. He's got wiggle to him. He's got a little more wiggle. Uh, he's a better pass catcher than Kennedy Brooks. You can split him out. And Very he good can in be pass be- protection. A little bit better. Too. The other best pass protection back. And this is something that Jalen Hurts, when he came became quarterback, I was thinking, man, this could possibly keep Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks back at Oklahoma for another year because of the lack of carries both are getting, and then Trey Sermon gets hurt. And um, from what I know, he it's more likely he comes back to the University of Oklahoma than he doesn't, which now you have a backfield to Spencer Rattler, Kenny Brooks, Trey Sermon, which is great in its own with Jeremiah Hall, Braden Willis, and then Mikey Henderson, who people thought is a more athletic and more polished Dimitri Flowers in that recruiting class. So that could be a lot of fun already. You add in to the fact that as of now, as of now, Creed is coming back. And, That's what you're hearing? Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Um, as of now, he is expected to be back. As of now, he's going to sharpen his skills, hopefully be a top 15, 20 guy next year in the NFL draft. This year didn't do him a lot of favors. Because of the offensive line's inconsistency with injuries and stuff like that, he wasn't really able to mm-hmm. fully thrive. And so as of now, Creed Humphrey is expected to be back, and that sets up the offensive line to be very special next year. Ely at right tackle, you keep the same three guys in the middle, Hayes, Creed, and Robinson. And at left tackle, you can have Swenson if you want, but I think, including myself, you're looking at Stacy Wilkins. That's a that's a good offensive line. Stacy Wilkins probably has as much upside as anyone on that offensive line too. Yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. And Definitely then, much better than Eric Swenson. No disrespect to Eric Swenson, but maybe a little bit of disrespect to Eric Swenson. And then you have other guys that are just getting better in general, with EJ Indoma Ogar. That if Creed Le- would leave, would be the starting center most likely. Um, you have Bray Walker, who's getting better uh, with his long arms. You have so many other guys that they can play in the offensive line, but as of now, Creed Humphrey will be coming back to the University of Oklahoma, which sets Spencer Rattler up just beautifully with a stable of running backs, Marcus Majors not being injured. You have Seth McGowan right now. We'll talk about what Corey Wren means in the future. Oklahoma's kind of stopped chasing him. And then you got that offensive line. And then we go on to the next thing, why I think Oklahoma's could have a very special year. Oklahoma's looking in the market for grad transfer wide receivers and grad transfer players in general. Because the wide receivers as of right now, Charlie Rambo, Charleston Rambo, Jaden Azelwood, 
Trajan Bridges is suspended for the next five games. The OEs. The OEs. Drake Stoops. Austin Stogner. You got a lot of youth. Like, the most experienced guy is Charleston Rambo and Drake Stoops, you know? And so they're looking for grad transfers. And so when I tweeted out the other day, oh, that's the Buki effect. And some people were like, were like, oh, what's that even mean? And, of course, some people are still upset about the game. So they're like, well, does it mean hitting a player and getting ejected from a targeting call? Like, you're stupid. But, um, no, the Buki effect, uh, all those California kids know Buki and vice versa. He's a very popular figure in California. Theo Howard from UCLA is friends with Buki. And they're pretty tight, actually. And Theo Howard, a good wide receiver for UCLA. He sat out all of this year and got a medical red shirt. Or not a medical red shirt, just a regular red shirt due to injury. Yeah, he was because I... And he was great as a sophomore and a junior at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Really good player. He, I don't, I think he was... I can't remember if he played against Oklahoma or if he tried to play. In not. I don't think he played much this year. Let me check. I know he definitely sat out after the Oklahoma game for the rest of the year, but I think, I, I'm think i pretty sure he played against Oklahoma. But regardless, he is an established wide receiver, a four-star guy, but the, that would be in his senior year, grad transfer in Oklahoma, Great wide receiver. He's about six foot, six foot one. He would give Oklahoma instant depth. He'd give Oklahoma instant seniority. He'd give Oklahoma some experience. Now, not necessarily the experience of the type of level of success Oklahoma, that UCLA has seen, um, or Oklahoma, Oklahoma has seen, but definitely a pass catcher that you're very excited to have. And so keep an eye on Theo Howard from UCLA transferring to Oklahoma because it all looks it looks like it's all but done. He graduated in December too, so he'd be ready to roll right mm-hmm. off the bat. It looks like that is all but done. So when I said that Buki, you know, the, the Buki effect, that that's, you know, getting guys from UCLA in the Los Angeles area and he's just another guy that can come in the pipeline and be a successful wide receiver for the Oklahoma Sooners and that is something that really I love a lot as far as what Oklahoma can do next year. So you've got Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon, the offensive line almost fully intact. And then you're getting a grad transfer wide receiver that has caught in his first two seasons, I believe, at least 50 balls or at least nearly 50 balls in both seasons uh, before he got hurt. And, I mean, that's just that's a depth thing. Um, so it's exciting. Um, so, so we'll see what that means. And then... The next sign, something that's good news, not necessarily for next year, but the years subsequently after, is Alex Grinch processing bodies. Like, you go to the portal, in like, I think 247 has this on their site. Um, you go to the transfer portal, you go to Oklahoma Sooners, and the majority of those bodies are defensive guys. Jonathan and, Perkins, I mean, he got yeah. the message pretty early, but he was a, a Kish guy, obviously. But Perkins, Jaqueline Crawford, uh, Miguel Edwards, Ty Yarman, and he's just going to get guys that play his brand of football. That's all it is. And so he's processing bodies, which means he's getting his guys in. And people don't understand, like, well, you know, Oklahoma, there's never going to be 
that good on defense. And it's just like, look what Grinch couldn't do. And it's like, this is Grinch's first year. What do you, what do you, he's, he's playing with somebody else's players and he said that's no excuse and he made He still look, fielded a defense that was number 25 in total defense. Number one in the After 129th the year before. Yeah. Pretty wild. I mean, I, obviously the LSU result was very discouraging and it showed that they're not there yet, but you can't say that they haven't improved immensely. There were national people saying, oh, well, this is just the same Oklahoma defense. You haven't been paying attention. Not at all. It's not even remotely the same defense. Yes, there are a lot of the same issues lingering. Mm-hmm. You don't have the personnel that you necessarily want. They've made huge strides, and it's only going to get better. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped. And, you know, the defense has, you know, and before we started the podcast, because I texted you the other day about the possibility of Kenneth Murray returning, because... To be quite honest with you. It sounded like he was legitimately considering it. He was. Even though conventional wisdom would tell him to go get paid, and that's what he did, which is what he should have done. And I'm glad he's doing it, and he's going to hopefully make a lot of money, but was like he a... was legitimately considering I guess you said that uh, he really likes Brian Odom, obviously, and yeah. thought maybe he could help him fine-tune his skills. Yeah, yeah. That's how highly he thinks of him. A couple of days ago, I, just, I, I texted Jack, and I was like, so... Uh... Kenneth Murray might be coming back. Not, and it's a might. It's a big might. Um, but that's the way things kind of were at the moment. He wasn't giving Oklahoma a yes, but he also wasn't giving the NFL a yes. He, he was doing his due diligence as far as his draft status. And if he's going to go first round, dude, take the money. Of course. And that's what it's looking like right now. And, and, it was a thing that I wanted him, like, in, yes, in my heart, did I want him to come back to the University of Oklahoma? Of course. Who wouldn't want that man still representing their team? But that he's at a crossroads to where, like, just go make them all. Like, what, what, what are you going to do by, by next year? Are you going to just get five more spots ahead in the draft? Like, there's of no course, really point. Yeah. So um, it was still kind of up in the air. And then, of course, Oklahoma was selling him on coming back and – learning more in the system because he's already an athletic freak. Um, but fine-tuning his skills, mentality-wise, football as a middle linebacker, I think NFL teams are going to use him on the outside anyways. Um, and so, yeah, K-9 declares the draft, but the defense still returns guys, several people with starting experience in the Ron Stokes, Ronnie Perkins when he gets back from suspension, Nick Benito, Jonathan Michael Terry, Deshaun White, Caleb Kelly, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, Buki, Patrick Fields, Delorean Turner-Yale, you can add Jaden Davis with game-playing experience. David Aguebu is a name that is going to be very important. And gosh, I You'll s- see a lot of Marcus Stripling early in the year, Stripling, too. Stripling, uh, Hicks. There's just so many guys. Jordan Kelly? That, yeah. There's just so many guys that have starting experience. Well, obviously he doesn't have experience, but yeah. he's going to be vital yeah. next year. That are gonna be, that are gonna be back. So, and that's another reason to be really excited for next year because the offense is gonna be incredible. Uh, they're gonna go back to what you remember them the past years before Jalen Hurts, and then combine that with a, an experienced defense with maybe some redshirt freshmen sprinkled in that Alex Grinch really likes, uh, and some 
JUCO guys with Perian Winfrey, Josh Ellison, and Justin Harrington. Justin Harrington, who's like six foot three, two thirty as a safety. Oh my gosh! And uh, that makes for that makes for a hell of a team. And then you add in a grad transfer in, in Theo Howard, and Oklahoma's looking for more grad transfers at linebacker and wide receiver still. Um, so that's another reason why you're seeing them process all these bodies. Lincoln Riley is getting things done. And he also sees that, hey, there are some things to be done to staff. And I was talking to some donors today. Lincoln Riley knows what needs to be done to his staff as far as altering his staff to make it more successful. And I think you could say that... Ruffin McNeil is off the table as far as, like, he's not going to return next year. And I think many of us expected that any, anyways. And then maybe not necessarily some firings, um, but some Moving shifting around, of yeah. roles. Um, I would say Jay Boulware is maybe a little bit on the hot seat. I would say that you might look at Roy Manning, and he's not on the hot seat by any means, but he would be... Um, Someone a guy who that, could potentially be shifted. Yes, a guy that could be shifted down to linebacker, coach, or something like that. So we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, what changes would you make to the staff? Oh, I mean, just like you said, I mean, Roy Manning, he has a ton of experience coaching outside linebackers. You could move him down there and maybe put Chip Viney in at cornerback. Wouldn't you say that that would be the logical move? Yeah, and if and if something obviously happens with Bullware, you could maybe talk about moving Kale Gundy back there. Yeah, he obviously did a fantastic job there before. And that's that's one thing about this is all if I mean these yeah. are all hypothetical. That's one thing that I miss is Kale Gundy as running backs coach. Yeah, he's still playing a small role in recruiting that position, but he needs to be the guy recruiting that position because he's had so much success with it. Yeah, I mean, he's the one that got John Mixon to come. Got Adrian Peterson to come. So got we'll DeMarco see. Murray to come. I mean, Lincoln Riley is in a position to be successful, and and he wants to be successful, of course, duh. Um, but and he knows what he needs to do, and it's not like he's it's not like he's jumping ship. It's not like he's just like like well, oh, we're gonna take our bumps and bruises along the way and continue this path next year. No, he's determined to get this team on an elite level to win a national title. And he's somebody that sets goals. And so next year, there's just a lot of good news for next year with guys coming back with experience, that offense coming back almost fully intact with the offensive line, the running backs. You have the five-star freshmen. They're going to be sophomores. You've got, you know, tight ends. Come, Stogner coming back a year more experienced. Jalen Conyers is special. You've got the H-backs that are actually going to be used the way they have previously, not just as blockers for Jalen Hurts. And you've got Alex Grinch in year two with all these guys with experience coming back. I mean, what's not to like? I mean, and man, if Kenneth Murray had come back, I think Oklahoma would be not necessarily an odds-on favorite to win a national title, but I bet they would be, again, another pick for the cultural playoff. You returned so many guys. And again, just like last year, the question mark for the Sooners is, the quarterback, how's they going to play? How's he going to play? Is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? I can just tell you that Spencer Rattler is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts right now. Of course. Like, and I'm if not... he comes 
if he enrolls in the spring, Oklahoma doesn't bring in a grad transfer quarterback. That's how highly they think of Spencer Rattler. That's true. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm not saying this just because I'm just like saying, oh yeah, Spencer's a better because the back everybody loves a backup quarterback always. No, I'm saying this from legit, legit what I know. Spencer Rattler is a very special player. He was highly rated for a reason. He was number one quarterback in the country for a reason. He is. He makes you think of Pat Mahomes 100% with the way he throws the ball, his poise, his accuracy, dropping into bucket passes that Jalen Hurts can't make. Spencer one of the Rattler quickest makes. releases you'll ever see, yes. too. And it's just, it's just like Which is the darts. exact opposite of Jalen Hurts, yeah. obviously. Throwing darts. a very slow release. Exactly, yeah. Jalen Hurts starts at the... He starts the throwing motion at the hip. Yeah. Whereas Rattler just... It's like a quick... It's like a quick pistol, like Kyler, like Baker. It's a quick shooter, and he gets it out there on a dart. And it, it's something that people will love. And to me, you start this conversation of, should Oklahoma just not gotten Jalen, played Spencer, took their bruises bruises and bumps this year to set them out up better for next year. That's a conversation people are going to have next year. I still feel like they're set up pretty well for next year, and in the meantime, you made another trip to the college football playoff and yeah. won another Big 12 championship, so you kept that train rolling. <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't, I don't see why you would have too many regrets there. Because I don't, I mean... I don't think this team was winning a national championship regardless, so you might as well keep that train rolling, win a Big 12 championship, and uh, go back to the college football playoff. I think it worked out pretty well in spite of the uh, result in the playoff. It's true. But anyways, we have a little bit more to talk to you guys about. We're going to talk about some recruiting, uh, some guys still on the board, and or as if tonight another guy came off the board that that we talked about last podcast, rumored to have signed. And he did sign. And he did in Chandler Morris. There's uh, another one in which we mentioned about that. We're not going to talk about him tonight, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. And then a little bit on Lincoln Riley, uh, maybe his future with Oklahoma, and talking about his kind of path to the college football playoff. But we'll check you guys after the break. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, Jack, so that was the good news was all these guys coming back, all these guys that could leave to go to the draft, they're going to be back. Potentially. Potentially um, from initial reports. I mean, because last year we had Bobby Evans that was coming back. He was leaving, then he was coming back. Then he ended up leaving and going like a third round, I believe, late third round, if if I'm correct. And but for right now, for the time being, Oklahoma looks really stout for next year. And the only again, the only question mark the question mark isn't even their defense now. I mean, I guess you could say a linebacker or the heart of their defense with Kenneth Murray, but the question isn't even the defense. It's well, it's Spencer Rattler. It is is he what he's cracked up to be? And so, other than that, I mean, you're looking at a really good team. And a really prepared team, it's starting to develop depth. But how you develop depth is through recruiting. And 
OU, for the time being, we talked about Corey Wren last podcast. The kid is about, is it nearly sub 4-4 speed? I think he is sub 4-4 speed, like 4-3-9 or something like that. And um, Oklahoma's put that relationship on pause. I'm unclear why he's put that relationship on pause or why the Sooners have put that relationship on pause. I think it may have something to do with some more grad transfers and looking at the scholarship um, distribution. And I think it just has to the. I just think it has to do with bodies. Also, it may have something to do with the fact that that running back room is incredibly full. I mean, Kennedy Brooks, Trace Sermon, Marcus Majors. If Pledger stays, Seth McGowan. I mean, you got five legitimate backs, and then like, are you really going to take a sixth? Scholarship backs. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if, in what I understand. Kennedy and Trey coming back. Uh, so, for the time being, OU's paused on Corey Wren. Uh, early today, I think it was early today, right? It's just today if it's like a whirlwind. It was yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah, it was New Year's Day. That's right. Brock Vandegrift decommits from Oklahoma, and nobody. I didn't know um, my buddy in uh, front of the pod, been on the pod, Keegan Renover at Sooners Wire, no clue. Even the guys over at Scoop, the brain drum, nobody at all from any service saw Brock Vandergriff decommitting. And let's just put one thing to bed very quickly because you see a lot of this in the Twitter mentions. The Chandler Morris commitment and signing and the Vandergriff decommitment have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. I kept hearing people saying, well, I guess the Vandergriff kid was afraid of a little competition. No, that has literally nothing to do with it. They are completely unrelated, so stop tweeting us about it. Nothing. Stop it. It came out of the blue. Completely just, there was nothing, there was no inkling that he would decommit, and people started in on... It's because Lincoln Riley's gone. That he, Lincoln Riley told him he was gone. Also silly. Because, yes, Lincoln Riley, in the middle of retooling this program, in the middle of recruiting, oh, well, not really recruiting, but in the middle of like figuring out what needs to happen for this team to be successful for this year and the year subsequently after, instead of going to his team and telling his team, instead of going and telling his coaches, he let Brock Vandegrift know that he was not going to be there, and Brock Vandergriff said, okay, well, I'm out. That's not, you're not going to tell a, a prospect that in 2021. You're not going to do that for a guy that, national sign, the, the original national signing day, which has become the late period for now, because everybody signs early now, has the, the, the actual national signing day hasn't even come yet, and Lincoln Riley's going to say, Oh yeah, I'm out. By the way, I'm going to the like. No, his national signing day isn't until next December, so the timing of that wouldn't make sense. If he were going to the Cowboys or anyone else, we would know that here within the next few weeks, probably. Yeah. So that wouldn't really. There would be no reason to tell Vandegrift this in advance. There's no point. Yeah, it wouldn't. And yeah, the Morris thing and Vandegrift thing are totally unrelated. Um, Morris has been in the OU fold for a while ever since he decommitted from Arkansas. And, um, you know, Vandergriff, I mean, he's from Georgia, and you have to look at everything involved here. Jake Fromm, is is he going to declare this year? 
Is Jake Fromm going to be out next year? We don't know. Uh, but Jake Fromm, pretty pretty significant, is the idea that he won't be at Georgia for much longer, right? Um, what, what is Jake Fromm a senior this year? He's a junior this year, okay. but it it sounds like he's probably bouncing. That wouldn't make sense to me. He's not that great of a quarterback. He he's apparently considered a top five or six prospect at the position, though. <laughs> Maybe he's a, as a pro. Style. But it's because he's tall. Yeah, <laughs> that's basically what this comes oh, down to. It's because it's the I was who's the guy that plays at Buffalo. Josh Allen. Yeah, it's it's that. Oh, he's got the prototypical body for a quarterback. Let's sign him up. That sort of deal. So like. You look at Vandergriff. And he's not a bad quarterback. Yeah, no. A lot of it has to do with just that system at Georgia being way too simple and him not really being able to show off his skill set. He's got a pretty good arm and a pretty accurate arm. He does. Good presence in the pocket. I mean, he, he you saw it. I mean, I know OU's defense sucked in 2017, but he made some very big throws in that game. Mm-hmm. Some talented throws. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback, but obviously he's not a, he's not a world breaker. But you look at Vandergriff, he's a Georgia kid. And initially in his recruitment, his family does not want him to leave far from home. And, I mean, you put two and two together here, and especially if as the SEC schools, as they suggested right after their, the, his decommitment, are reaching out. I mean, you could put two and two together here. And well, the Fromm thing would have nothing to do with it anyway because he's about to be a senior, and Vandegrift's a 2021 kid. No, I'm saying, but... Let's say, you know, the guys basically promise you a starting spot. Yeah. And give you the keys to the program like Lincoln's going to do with Spencer as a redshirt freshman. Instead of possibly, because you look at that situation at Georgia, and then you look and say, hey, you don't know Spencer Rattler's going to stay there for two years. You don't know if he's going to be there for three years. He, hell, he could be there for all, four, for all four years. And you're left with how many years, Brock? And by that time, you don't even know if Lincoln Riley's still around. He's taking all these things into context. And so that didn't surprise me, but it was surprising, his decommitment. That was incredibly surprising to everybody. Nobody knew besides Lincoln an hour before Brock came to Twitter and said he was decommitting. He called it Lincoln at 11 a.m. Pretty wild. Yeah, it was It's strange. So, I mean... Oklahoma moves on to the next guy in Caleb Williams, who... That's quite a next guy, by the way. That's, five the, star that's a five-star kid and the number one dual-threat kid in the country. Yeah. And he's been to OU a couple times, I believe, and he tried to commit to OU. He's already tried to commit to OU. He's a D.C. guy out of Gonzaga High School. Um, OU's been hitting the D.C. area pretty uh-huh. well lately, too. Former teammates with Joseph Wete. Yeah. Um, and... He likes OU. Uh, he tried to commit OU, um, still knowing the Vandergriff system and family and uh, his relationship with Lincoln Riley. And so, of course, Oklahoma's going to reach out to Caleb Williams. Of course they are. And I wouldn't say right now, oh, there's a high probability of Caleb Williams committing to OU, but I'm saying, hey, he likes OU. And OU, OU and Lincoln Riley's a master of recruiting in this way, is they don't go radio silent on recruits. Once they've got gotten a commitment from somebody, they else. never burn bridges. That's something that the Stoops regime. Thing, that's yeah. something that the Stoops regime did do. They just said, "All right, you're done. You're kind of dead to me." Whereas Lincoln Riley says, "Don't burn bridges because you never know." I mean, and I mean that it really helped. CD Lamb is a direct proponent of that. People forget CD committed to OU, 
flirted with A&M for a while, and then came back into the fold for the Sooners. That was big. And so, I mean, Lincoln Riley getting out of Vandergriff um, and then possibly falling into Caleb Williams, it just that's just incredible to me. He's a five-star guy. I wanted to commit. And again, OU, Lincoln Riley, they don't lose touch with recruits that maybe, you know, aren't akin with them at the moment. And Lincoln, he continues to talk to these guys and talk and say high, high things about him, about his uh, these other prospects, even while they're in college. Like, he says high praise. You're still recruiting guys, essentially, or they're in college and grad transfers. You keep that relationship door open. And that's another big reason. That's why you don't burn bridges. And it's just, it's incredibly important they did that. But today, Oklahoma got a got a commitment from Chad Morris's son, Chandler Morris, who he was He had no signed on National slouch. Signing Day yeah. anyway. And he got, did you see him in his first series in that game? Uh, looked really sharp. Incredibly sharp. He looked better than any of the other quarterbacks out there. Maybe not better physically, but he looked a lot more, I guess, polished than the other guys. I mean, he was really quick with his releases. He was a good scrambler. I mean, he Mm -hmm. was very decisive. He just looked like his head was in the game. Yeah, and... He's going to be a nice player. I mean, he's small, but I mean, he's definitely no placeholder. People want to act like that he's just a holdover for the next guy, like a Caleb Williams, but... Or Vandegrift before him. Chandler Morris is a good quarterback. He's a four-star guy. Yeah. Out of Texas, his dad is a offensive coordinator, and he is unlike Jalen Hurts, where his dad was also a football coach. I mean, Chandler Morris, as a quarterback, it I can't really put my finger on who reminds me of. Some people might draw... Um, I was talking again. I was talking to Keegan Renault from Sooners Wire about it. I was like, he reminds me kind of Charlie Brewer with the way he's able to scramble his body type. Definitely, um, Keegan kind of said he reminds him more about Shane Bouchel. Um, I, I didn't really see eye to eye on it, but regardless, he is. There's a little bit of Baker there, but I see the Brewer one more. He's He's, we say he's small. He's 5'11". That means he's taller than Kyler, about the same height as Baker. So, but that's what the NFL people says that he was small. And, um, I mean, like I said, the guy, he's got a throw on a rope. He's a quick trigger guy, total gunslinger, um, very decisive. And he ran a very wide open offense at Highland Park in Dallas in the Metroplex where it's spread um, he makes a lot of decisions. He's not a pocket guy. It, and it may say on any profile you look, look at, you might say he's a pocket passer. He's anything but that. He's going to scramble. He's going to get upfield. He's going to run read options. And so that's very, that's something that OU needs. That That's a Lincoln Riley quarterback again. And so just something very excited to be about him because, like, right now, I can feel like Chandler Morris has a better and more accurate more accurate arm than Jalen Hurts does. Um, at the same time, he kind of honestly reminds me of Tanner Mordecai. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said there, but he's a good quarterback. And you need him because of the possible exit of Mordecai. Of Tanner Mordecai. We don't know. Because the right, during the national title game, not national title game, the semifinal game in the Peach Bowl, Rattler came in before Mordecai 
and the game ended after that. And people said, oh, well, that's interesting. The writing's on the wall, huh? And Lincoln later says, no, he's going to have Mordecai come out sure. second. And I was like, <laughs> are you sure? Okay. Why Whatever, would, then dude. Why wouldn't you have Mordecai come exactly. in? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. That was a weird situation, you know? And so, Mordecai looked shocked, too. Yeah, he was like, what? That was a weird... It was it was weird. Awkward. It was very awkward. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. I mean, regardless, Oklahoma, no longer do they have to worry about leaning on a walk-on, preferred walk-on, and Cade Horton or a Juco guy. They've got a scholarship guy who is a good high school quarterback, and it, he will translate well in the Lincoln system. Um, a guy that is going to be committing on actual national signing day is Alfred Collins. You can call him Fred. You can call him Alf. I don't. I don't know if he actually goes I by like Alfred. Alf. I don't know if he goes by goes by Alfred in twenty twenty. You know, maybe Alfred. I don't know. Alf would be cool though. Yo, eat cats. He uh, was at two sixty the last time they saw him, and then he shows up at these all American things at two eighty something playing defensive end, and he's got speed, and he uh, he's something special. And it's looking like the Baylor thing isn't going to happen, especially with Matt Rule, 100% looking like he's out the door at Baylor. And because he's a hot commodity. Like, Matt Rule is turning down interviews from teams. The Cleveland Browns said, will you interview? And he said, no. (laughs) Because I think he's the top target of the Giants right now. He's from New York, too. And he was, I believe, prior to... Uh, Temple, he was an offensive line coach for the Giants. He was. So, I mean, he's familiar with the NFL system. He's familiar with the NFL in general. And I think he's going to end up, and like we said, he looks just like the most New York guy in general. Um, And um, it just looks like Alfred Collins. He was down to OU Baylor in Texas. Looks Looks like like Texas is trending in the wrong direction anyway. OU in Texas. And so, well, the last time I saw was... Collins was hanging out with the Texas kids at the All-American thing, and so we'll see. Yeah. This thing has the opportunity to be something special as far as, like, a guy you're battling for between OU and Texas, and Alfred Collins, four-star guy, has the opportunity to start right away wherever he goes. Think, there's so many things in flux with Texas, and you're like, why would, okay, that whatever. Um, you're just unsure about why he would choose Texas, but, hey, you know, he's a teenager, he wants to be something special. He himself is from Texas, so it's not something I'm worried about. But the recruiting class for this 2020 cycle, it's not going to be top 10. It won't be, despite the sheer numbers they're bringing in. Um, the 2020 class, they're number 9 right now, but there are other people still have yeah. needs to fill and stuff like that. But it's still going to be, as far as like filling needs... It might be the best since, like, Sooner Squad 17. Yeah. They, they, which was a great class. I and mean, has proven to be a very good class. They will be a top 15 class. And, you know, of, co- of course, for Lincoln Riley, ever since he's came in and they've been producing top 10 classes, top 15, Sooner fans are like, oh, oh, no. Like, you know, that, that this is, yes, top 15 class. I get it. But they've addressed so many needs on the offensive line. They're getting more guys in the fold as far as the wide receiver position. They got that quarterback that they needed, another tight end. A great, great job with the defensive line, even if they don't get Alfred Collins. And then, yeah, defensive defensive needs 
was the name of the game. I mean, you're still looking at guys for grad transfers and maybe some JUCOs regarding the defensive side of the ball, more likely grad transfers. But this is a team in flux for the next however many years as far as getting things fixed on the defensive side of the ball. Again, go to the transfer portal. Go to OU and how many guys they process. It'll say Jaqueline Crawford's a wide receiver. He was a DB at Norman before he decided this year. They they tried to try him out on that side of the ball before he put his name in the transfer portal. Miguel Edwards, Tidy Armin, and there's more guys on the defensive side of the ball that are being processed because they're trying to return this defensive side of the ball back to something that is to be not necessarily feared, but something that you knew it wasn't going to be an easy game plan, just like this year. And so they're trying to get this team to an elite level. They're elite offensively already. You could say they're elite in special teams while kicking, where Gabe Burkish totally got the shaft, didn't miss a field goal all year, didn't win any awards at all, which I think is pretty strange, especially if a team goes to the cultural playoff and he's a freshman and he misses no kicks. And I, I guess it's the small sample size, I guess. I, That's probably I guess, it. But he was perfect. I mean, yeah. So who knows? Uh, it's not going to be top 10 class, but it is 100% addressing all the needs Oklahoma has going forward. Now, let's shift to Lincoln Riley. This is his best coaching job. Oh, of course. I mean, you don't have a Kyler Murray. You didn't have a Baker Mayfield to save you at the end of the day. You had Jalen had Hurts. an offensive line that was constantly hurt and never was able to develop any continuity and didn't have much experience. And then a quarterback. And, still, and a quarterback who didn't throw the ball very well. That couldn't run your system as well yeah, as you wanted it to. Of course. You were limited in what you could do, and you still went 11-1, and one, and then 12-1, and one, and then 12-2, and two, obviously. But 11-1 and one in the regular season, won the Big 12 championship, went back to the college football playoff. Pretty great. Yeah, and... This is his best coaching job so far because he's relied on elite quarterback play. And you're like, okay, well, what can he do when he doesn't have a guy that's going to be number one in the Heisman? And he's still got Jalen Hurts at the Heisman ceremony. He was second. <laughs> like, come on. Granted, a distant second, but yeah. still. And this is something that people don't really understand. And we can go back to the blue chip ratio. And this is where Lincoln is special. This year, because he didn't have a Baker from Mayfield and a Sterling Shepard and a and a D.D. Westbrook. He didn't have a Baker Mayfield, D.D. Westbrook, and, and Hollywood Brown. He didn't have Kyler and Hollywood and Mark Andrew. He didn't have he didn't have that. He had Jalen Hurts, who's a limited passer, who were Toward the middle of the year, everybody had figured him out. The scouting report was out on Jalen. No longer was he throwing over the middle of the field, which hindered this offense extremely to the point where um, it was just him running the ball. And you had CeeDee Lamb, no tight end really. Lee Morris disappeared. Grant Calcaterra, of course, had to retire. And um, just and hurt running backs. You know, it's his best coaching job, and Lincoln literally schemed this team, X's and O's, to another conference title. Now, the defense helped out. In the second half of the season, the defense won Oklahoma the conference championship. The defense won Oklahoma's last four or five games of the season. They're the ones that put the games away. 
And Lincoln is a great schemer. He's a great guy at game plans. He's a 100% great guy X's and O's. And you can do that in your conference. But when you're matching talent on talent, when you're matching yourself with the best in the nation, scheme is not going to show up as much as those guys that are five-star prospects. Like, you... like. What, Let's like let's compare this to basketball for a second. And I know people don't like Kevin Durant, but let's bring up the Kevin Durant thing and why he left Golden State. If you say so. Golden State, their ball movement, just like the Spurs, the monstrous, incredible. They had a system, uh-huh. and it works. And it makes Draymond Green look amazing. You put him on any other team, he's average at best. Yeah, I completely agree. But he's that, a piece of shit too. That he is. But that's, Kicks people in the ball. It's had, not good. That system that Golden State had with all those playmakers, incredible. It worked. But once you got to the playoffs, it became a little shaky against the best teams. And then you go to Kevin Durant, exodus of the Bay, now goes to the opposite side of the United States in Brooklyn, and he says, you know, people figured them out. And they started to key in on a lot of things in the system, and they needed, which which is going to make OKC fans angry, they needed to do things more reliant upon the individual talent and the overall talent of what they have in their players. Like, basically, ISO ball is what he's talking about. And you're like, OKC fans are looking at him like, you left OKC because you wanted team ball, and now you're saying you want ISO ball. It's incredible. But anyways... It's the same thing here in the national title and getting to that. You can scheme your way throughout the Big 12. You Like Clemson, you can scheme your way throughout the ACC. But when you're playing the most prominent, talented teams in the country, scheme goes away and it becomes less X's and O's and more Jimmy's and Joe's. And that's what... Oklahoma is just, Oklahoma just now, like I said earlier, crossed into the blue chipper ratio threshold to where they're actually getting very talented kids. And I think I did the math on it. Over two-thirds of that blue chip ratio is stuck in the freshman and sophomore class right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> like, what do, you, what do you want me to say? So even with those numbers, it's trending in the right direction. It's yeah. still trending in Oklahoma's favor. And so the youth, like a lot of the talent is stacked at Oklahoma in their youth. That's why they're processing kids. They're processing older people. They're not processing freshmen. They're processing sophomores. They're processing the juniors that are going to be seniors. They're processing the sophomores that are going to be juniors that aren't necessarily fitting what Oklahoma envisions. A lot of the talent that's in that blue chip ratio are in their first two classes. So it's intriguing. And, but... Lincoln, 100% schemer, X's and O's. You can't do that once you get to the title game. And I put this in here to talk about before we even begin the podcast, before even this news broke about Jason Garrett. You know, he's not going to be part of the plans in the future. And I think everybody knew that. The writing was on the wall. Um, the NFL rumors with Lincoln Riley about to heat up like crazy. It's going to be nauseating. We're just going to have to deal with this every year. Yeah. Just is what it is. And and each year we have to remind people that the Oklahoma job is a very good job. And it's better than most NFL jobs. Mm-hmm. And we can pay them a lot. So, and there you go. I would say, 
because again, I talked to donors today. Uh, if I were an Oklahoma fan, I'd feel comfortable right now with Lincoln Riley as the head coach of Oklahoma. I would feel comfortable with him staying with that idea. Um, I wouldn't be worried yet. Um, now, it's been a little weird that the Dallas Cowboys have been completely radio silent as far as coaching opportunities and coaching carousel because all the other teams, literally all other teams, non-playoffs, are going and getting their guys. And it's the one team in Dallas that's been known to have OU coaches, as in Switzer and Gary Gibbs and Lincoln Riley might be the next one up. Um, but as of right now, NFL rumors are about to heat up with Jason Garrett not being a part of the plans, as Ed Werder pointed out. And um, I would I would just calm down on it. And you'll know more at the end of January about where Lincoln stands, or you'll know more in the at the beginning of February. But I think... It's nothing to worry about right now. I may joke about it a lot about Lincoln being gone. Uh, that's just me. We just enjoy trolling people on that, and it's me being pessimistic. So at the end of the day, if he ends, if he ends up somehow does leaving Norman, I can be like, "Well, told you so." But like, in reality, we're saying he's probably staying. In reality, my inkling uh, would be he's going to be coaching the Sooners next year. He'll be in Norman, and I'm not worried about it. And if you're listening, you probably shouldn't really worry about it next year either. And like I kept on saying, you know, on Twitter in general, this team is primed for something special next year, the year after, and the year after that. They are going to be, it's just, (laughs) now you're combining elite offense with what Alex Grinch is about to do with that defense. And that's something to be excited about. And that's something that's going to be very special. And that's something that they're developing depth on the defensive side of the ball, quality depth, not guys that drop off. And you still have Brian Mead, you know, <laughs> right? Bless his heart. But uh, not long are the days to come that you're going to re- be replacing your Mike Linebacker with the four-star guy instead of a walk-on, you know? Um, and that's a tribute to the previous regime. Not going to talk about them too much, but um, they left Lincoln Riley an empty cupboard on defense, and now they're fixing the mess that was left up, and it's it's trending in the right direction 100%. And so there's a lot of good stuff to be happening in the future, and especially next year will be special, and, man, the years after that will be special. So King of the Hill. We're finally broaching the subject. King of the Hill, man. So, yeah, we got sent in a question or... Probably like a month ago, right? A while uh, from... And it we're st- don't get your hopes up because this still hasn't been resolved. Yeah. At all. Just Justin Bush, one of my buddies, sent me a question that said, Hey, what do you, uh, will you compare the characters from King of the Hill to maybe the Sooner staff? Or, you know, the Big 12 coaches in general. And I said, okay, yeah, sure. And then every time me and Jack, me and Jack have sat down in this room with the mics trying to figure out who would be who. Really, for the last three weeks, right? I don't think Lincoln Riley is anyone on the show. He's not Hank Hill. He's not Hank. He's not Hank Hill. He's not Dale. I don't see, I don't think anyone is Hank Hill. It's, it's, It's hard. I think Gundy might be lucky. R.I.P. Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
because like who like who do you have it's and it's so hard to tell because you have new coaches and Neil Brown and I mean yeah who would where would you put Neil what's Brown? this Matt Wells <laughs> from Tech um it's hard it's hard to tell and now if and we talked about this again but off pod which is like this would be so much easier if Oklahoma were in the SEC and we were told to compare to SEC oh, coaches God. that would be great so just letting you know we're still thinking about the King of the Hill characters. We've we're like, not ignoring it. We're just stumped. Literally, have been talking about this for three weeks for for the past three weeks on this time every time. Like I don't know yet. We need to give more thought to this. It's a very good question. <laughs> it's, it is. And we went over on Twitter a while ago, maybe like six months ago, about which Big Twelve programs are which King of the Hill characters, and mm-hmm. that was easier. Mm-hmm. I think West Virginia was Dale Gribble. Conspiracy theorists. Yeah. West Virginians are noted conspiracy theorists. They're living up in the mountains, in the hollers of West Virginia. Conspiracies abound. That's what happens. But, I'm trying to think... It's uh, hard to pick a Bildo tree of the Big 12. Kansas? Kansas could be Bildo tree. Um, I don't know who Boomhauer is. Or the, the Khan family. Actually... Mm. I don't know who Khan and yeah, his family see, are. I don't know. It, that's that's a, a kudos to you, Justin, for this question. It's a very difficult question. Yeah, I, I, we might have to put this on Twitter too and just see what ideas pop up. It's true. I agree. I think that's what we might have to do because I'm I'm stumped. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult question, but we're just someone's you know, going to say something and I'm going to be like, oh shit, of course. Yeah, we haven't forgot. This has literally been on the dock for the past three weeks. We have not forgotten. We've given thought to it. It's just we're not sure yet. So, but anyways, man, it's it's Thursday. Uh, what are your plans for the weekend? Oh, I'm trying to think here. I might go to the OU basketball game on Saturday. Who are they playing? Kansas State. It's gonna be a loss. Noon. Well, <laughs> yeah, because only because it's Lon Kruger. Kansas State's struggling this year. Lon Kruger. Lon, well, cannot see, he can beat his alma mater. He can beat them in Norman about two thirds of the time. He it's, he has only beaten them. I think the only time he beat them in Manhattan was his first year, which was his worst team. Mm-hmm. It's in his contract. Can't be. He can't beat he, his alma mater. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's he had to beat them once to throw the scent off. Mm-hmm. But. And talk about no, Christian Doolittle not Manhattan, playing last game. But it's in Norman, so. It was only a one-game thing, fortunately. Weird. Yeah, very odd. Very cryptic. I don't I don't know what the deal was. It was something to do with, uh, like, conduct detrimental. The team, yeah. I, I, something like that. Don't know what that was, it was. That was the language that was used. By Toby Rowland. Yeah, that was, uh, that was odd. Um, but hopefully everything's okay, because he's extremely good. Yeah, and the most... The most dynamic playmaker the team has one thing i will say though is that once he does come back which presumably he's coming back on saturday yeah he'll be back kirk Queth deserves a lot of minutes for this team because i think he, he well. could play a vital role too because this team isn't always that formidable in the front court defensively yeah. and on the block and he rebound. had a hell he, first five minutes of the game oh man he's a nice player he and he gives so much effort too and people need to get excited about this team. Maybe not necessarily this year. I mean, they're going to be okay this year. But for the they're, years to come... They're only... The only senior on the team is Doolittle. Yeah. Manic is going to be back. Manic will be back. 
And Kirkweth will be back. Gosh, I know, Reeves, and I know it was Harmon, the enemy. I know it was Rio Grande Valley State or whatever. But when Austin Reeves saw the only person behind him was Kirkweth, and he bounced the ball off the backboard and that threw was down so a dunk, beautiful. I was like, oh my god, like so beautiful. That that was my favorite part of the game. And I know, and who? Oh, is it Lou Hill coaching? Yeah, it's Lou Hill. Yeah, so former, former OU assistant. Staffer, yeah. Somebody want to get on the podcast that I know personally that I work with is Michael Neal. Oh, really? He's what a sharpshooter he was. He has got some special stories about Kelvin Sampson. I bet he's got some special stories because he was in the transition between Sampson to Capel. That's true. And I was talking to him about it uh, about for thirty minutes, and he had a lot of great stories. We need to have him on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him during about basketball it. season. I'm gonna talk to him about it on Monday. I'm like, hey. Just, just tell everybody what you told me, because he talks about transitioning from Samson to Capel, the teammates around him. Um, at one point, actually, I'll, I'll leave that up to Coach Neal about, about him talking about what the players thought about Samson, and then him being a GA at Capel's staff and the Willie Warren and Tiny Gallon. I mentioned. Oh those, God, we've got to have them. I on. mentioned. I want to hear everything about yeah. that group. I mentioned those names, and he rolled his eyes and told me some really funny stories. And he, it was, it was great. So I need to get Coach, Coach Neal, who's at Norman High now, but Michael Neal, as most of Sooner fans know him, great, incredible shooter. Uh, but yeah, this weekend, I don't even know what I'm doing this weekend. I'll watch him play a football. That's what I, I think I'm going to go to a movie. I've been given the option of going to either Bombshell or Little Women, and I'm picking Bombshell. <clears throat> I haven't heard of either of those. Well, Little Women's like an old book. Yeah, it's I know. Been it's been uh, is that remade or something? Yeah, it's okay. been remade multiple times. And then bombshells about the uh, sexual assault allegations at uh, Fox News. Hmm. It look it it has uh, a bunch of great actresses in it. It's a really good cast. It's probably pretty good. I still but haven't I, even seen the new Star Wars movie. I haven't I haven't seen the second Star Wars movie either. I haven't seen. I've heard good things. I've heard. See, I, I've heard a lot of mixed things. I've heard great things about the Mandalorian, and I haven't oh seen my that God, yet. Dude, is it good? It's it's good. I oh, see. Oh yeah, everyone. I, that the consensus is that that's great. I have. And I'm I've not heard a Star very Wars fan. mixed things about Rise of Skywalker. I'm not a Star Wars fan. Like I tried I'm really to get... not a huge Star Wars guy, but I, I'm familiar with most of it. I've seen most of the movies. I, the only movies I haven't seen, I guess, are these last two. I but. tried to get into Star Wars as a kid, teenager. Oh, I was into it. I went to and, Star Wars camp at and, the Omniplex. Wow. Yep. Nice. Third grade. I, I just couldn't get into it, but The Mandalorian has caught my attention like no other for some reason. And it, it's it's great. It's fantastic. I, if I were you, if you don't already have Disney Plus, it's like five, six, whatever bucks a month. Spend it just to watch that. And of course, you get a lot of bevy of movies with it in general. Like the first thing I watched on Disney Plus was Brink. And then there's just several other movies and shows. But yeah, this weekend, man. Playoff football. I might watch a movie. Uh, might go see a movie. Who knows? But it's, yeah, that's about it. I think yeah. I'm going to Chicken Beer on Friday night too. You've been to Chicken Beer before? I've never heard of that. The best wings I've ever had. It's on 23rd Street. It's near OCU. Okay. It is phenomenal. It, it's like a, it's like across from Gaiudi's. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Chicken Beer. Yeah, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. This is not okay. a sponsored thing. It's just the best wings I've ever had. So. Shout be, out to Chicken Beer. Might be a sponsor thing in the future. Oh, hey, maybe. Maybe. But that's about it for me. How about you? I'm good. 
Alright guys, well hey, go ahead and follow us on CrimsonCreamMachine.com. Um, there's a lot of things, I say this every week, but I mean it every week. There's a lot of great content, a lot of good people on staff, a lot of great people on staff. Um, go ahead and follow Jack at CC Machine or his personal one, uh, Jaylary Shield on Twitter. I'm at Kamarabi at CCM. Alan Kenny at Blaine Homerism. Um, any, just any of the guys on Seth. staff. Yeah, Seth. And, um, you Cardic know, and Austin. Cardic too. Austin. And it's just a lot of good guys working on this thing. And again, new year. We really appreciate all you guys for following us really through this first football season with. Me podcasting with Jack. I mean, we've se- I sent Jack a screenshot of you know the podcast and how it's been doing, and we really appreciate all the listeners for really tuning in and tuning in more as the season went on. And a lot of people like I've been getting a lot of compliments on the podcast lately, and really appreciate you guys for subscribing, for reviewing, for rating. You guys have been be- the re- the best, been really awesome, and we're looking forward to another year with you guys with a couple of minor tweaks to. How we're gonna podcast for football games next next year? I mean, there might be another. There will be an extra podcast in there. At least one extra, podcast. Um, and it'll be good. And it'll be a familiar name that you guys know. Um, that that's gonna be doing that with me. So it'll be good times. And so here's to New Year, and we'll check you guys later.